everyone, and welcome back to Air Magique. I'm your host, Eric, and with me is my amazing co-host, Niels. Hello, everyone. Today, we're continuing our Walt Disney World versus Disneyland Paris series. In part three, we'll be analyzing Disney's Hollywood Studios in Orlando versus Walt Disney Studios Park in Paris. Yes, these are two of my favorite guilty pleasure parks. <laughs> but before we get to all that, I did want to mention that this month's Patreon exclusive show is all about our Paris favorites. We're not talking about the Eiffel Tower here, honey. We'll be sharing our top secret personal favorites to check out in the City of Lights. You can get access to the new bonus show plus all of the other fabulous episodes on patreon.com slash And it all starts at just two euro. And you can stick around to the end of the show for a short preview of that Patreon exclusive. Thank you to everybody supporting Air Magique. In park news, mobile food ordering, which lets you skip the regular line to order your burger. Yeah, by ordering on your mobile device is available now. Both Cafe Hyperion and Casey's Corner currently support it. The Disneyland Paris app features a special order now button in the restaurant list view. But don't get too excited yet because mobile ordering <laughs> only works for parkgoers with a French phone number and billing address. Because of course it does. <laughs> Why make it accessible to international visitors? <laughs> yeah, I heard that some international visitors were able to use it uh, recently, Ooh. but uh, I'm not completely sure. So I guess they're working on it. Uh. <laughs> there was some sort of issue if your country's phone number has a different number of digits than the French oh. phone number. So perhaps if you're from a country where it has the exact same number of digits in the zip as well as in the phone number, you're able to do it. Yeah. But I mean, funnily enough, the new paid FastPass a replacement Premier Access works with all credit cards of all nations, no matter where they are from. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Also, meal plans are currently not supported, so you'll have to, you know, say your inner calming mantra and wait in that line to order at the counter. Yeah. For those lucky enough to reside in France, you can choose a pickup time, select your menu, and pay online if everything goes according to plan you'll get an email with a clickable link that states prepare my order once clicked the kitchen will prep your meal and you can pick it up in about five to ten minutes at the dedicated mobile point pickup order counter whatever you want to call it <laughs> anyway an annual pass discount is also available that cast members have not been verifying recently so you guys can do with that information what you will <laughs> <laughs> oh wow so you just say that you have an annual pass and you don't fill in the full number or something like that yeah there's like i don't know if it's a box you take or a drop down menu but it's something along those lines that you can just select mm. while you're ordering and then yeah. you get the discount that you would get with yeah. the annual pass and apparently nobody's been yeah. bothering to check that so after releasing this episode i guess they will be checking yeah <laughs> <laughs> so niels what disneyland paris news item has caught your eye in the past few weeks well my news for this episode is a personal news item Ooh. as i've been back to disneyland paris recently to be more specific that was uh, early August and well we're not going to do a full trip report now but I would love to mention some things <laughs> I've been to the parks for three full days while staying at the uh, Campanile Partner Hotel just outside uh, the Disney bubble. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which is basic, but pretty good. And I think it's value for money compared to the Disney hotels. <laughs> Although I prefer to stay within the bubble, of course. Some highlights or, let's say, remarkable things to mention. First of all, we needed to show the so-called uh, Pass uh, Sanitaire or the Health Pass this time. When we went, it was not needed for the hotels and for Disney Village, but nowadays it is. We just needed to, well, show the pass to enter the theme parks. My wife and I uh, both had our two vaccinations uh, plus two weeks. So we created our international QR codes with the Dutch COVID app. And to make life easier, we downloaded the French COVID app. 
which you can also use for restaurant venue uh, registrations, by the way. Oh, perfect. Yeah, so you can do it all with the same app. And we scanned our Dutch QR codes to add our vaccination details to the French app. And that way we could use the French app like the French. And I think that makes uh, life a bit uh, easier. <laughs> <laughs> so we could just show the QR code to the employees at the checkpoints uh, on the resort hub and then walk uh, to the parks. And that went pretty smooth. Uh, there were hardly any delays. So uh, that uh, was, uh, well, really well uh, organized. Another thing <laughs> I wanted to highlight are the characters. Uh, Disneyland Paris is doing a fantastic job to make sure you can uh, see all your favorite characters or at least get a picture with them while respecting social uh, distancing and COVID uh, measures. There are lots of mini shows uh, like the, the ones in the production courtyard in the studios with Buzz Lightyear and Goofy and Max. But they also had the old stars and cars <laughs> with characters driving by every now and then in the studios. So cool. It's almost as if they had a parade again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and Remy from Ratatouille. But it's not like a parade, but it's just the separate floats, the separate cars coming by every, well, 10, 15 minutes, something like that. <laughs> it's easy to spot them and uh, there are no, well people <laughs> waiting to see the parade so that's covid wise a good decision i think oh yeah. yeah and it's nice like a spontaneous thing that's really fun that's happening exactly. you don't have to wait in line for it so that's pretty cool yeah that's pretty cool well you can also easily miss it huh? <laughs> when you're somewhere else but they have so many of these let's say mini parades or mini shows that it's uh well hardly <laughs> impossible to not see these mini parades right. so uh, yeah they really did a great job there and in the disneyland park you had the tricycles featuring classic characters uh, traveling along the uh, parade routes a couple of times a day and i even spotted the big princesses float from one of the uh, uh, older parades so that uh, well was the first time that i saw a real parade float again <laughs> <laughs> instead of just the, the small tricycles or the, yeah. the cars characters also still appear in locations where you can see them but not reach them like uh, a jack sparrow uh, above the pirates of the caribbean uh, shop and, uh, and restaurant is every now and then there on the balcony there are also some regular character meet and greets with uh, lines but you can't come close to the character so there's a, a clear spot where you can stand and then take your picture or well get a picture with the uh, photopass uh, photographer but especially the uh, unannounced little uh, character interactions really make uh, the parks feel alive and add the disney touch uh, so uh, yeah that's really cool there are still several character photo locations in the theaters, like uh, the Marvel characters in the studio theater, Frozen characters in the animation celebration building, Magician Mickey and princesses in the Animagic uh, theater, and classic Mickey and friends are in the uh, Meet Mickey Mouse uh, theater. That's really nice. As you can wait <laughs> in a covered area uh, out of the sun or the rain <laughs> and get some really nice pictures. There was also a Star Wars character meet uh, on the Videolus stage. And that one I didn't do the first time uh, when we went back in uh, July. But it was really cool to actually stand on that stage uh, yourself. And uh, we met Ray, Chewbacca and two stormtroopers but they do change the characters every now and then during the day so i saw also uh boba fett and um, i think i even saw a red stormtrooper uh, one day so uh, yeah there's a lot of uh, variety in uh, special uh, star wars characters the other good thing is compared to our previous visits that disneyland paris added photopass photographers to some of these on-stage character photo opportunities and these theaters are a bit dark and sometimes it's difficult to get your own quality pictures so uh, 
I'm really happy that they added their photographers. Right. So you get some good quality pictures. Exactly. Yeah. Nice. We had PhotoPass photographers in the uh, Animagic uh, Theater and Videopolis uh, stage. Oh, so cool. Yeah. And well, the last thing I want to uh, mention about uh, my visit uh, are the wait times. Uh, those were pretty good, especially for, well, the summer high peak season. During extra magic time, most waits were just five to... 10, maybe 15 minutes wow. in the early morning with regular opening times. It was five to 20 minutes around noon, 10 to 35. So still pretty good. So Big Thunder was just around half an hour, sometimes even just 20 minutes. You really can't say anything with 30 minutes for Big Thunder Mountain. It's totally worth that no. wait. And it's way less than what it used to be when yep. uh, the fast pass capacity was eating up more. So exactly. usually I recall it being around 60 minutes, yeah. sometimes up to 80 in the summer. <laughs> Especially in the weekends or in the summer. So, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Of course, some attractions reach capacity quickly and uh, had longer wait times, especially RC Racer and uh, Crushes Coaster. I think those reached waits like 50 to 60 minutes, which is still pretty okay for those attractions on right, yeah. those days. So at a certain moment, Crushes Coaster switched to the uh, standby pass system, and that worked pretty well. I didn't go on it, but uh, <laughs> the party that I was with did. So we were able to snack a time slot for our whole party. And you need to have the Disneyland Paris app for that. Have your Disney account logged in and have your tickets or your annual passes linked to that account. But then it's just a matter of selecting a time slot. Yeah grabbing it and when it's your time show the qr code to a, a cast member uh, in the app and uh, you can enter the queue for who isn't uh, familiar with 10 bypass it's free it fully replaces the regular queue at that moment when uh, when it's activated so it's not possible to just go there and <laughs> get in line it's not a fast pass so you can't directly board the ride it's just a time slot to enter the queue and um, at that time the queue was like 45 minutes while it was uh, like uh, I think two o'clock or one o'clock in the weekend in the high uh, season. So uh, that was uh, yeah pretty good for Crushes Coaster, which uh, could easily reach uh, 90 minutes at that time. Pretty happy to see that working really well. So nice. Yeah. yeah. So that's it. Uh, okay. <laughs> I, guess. <laughs> I, was well, sure. I can talk for hours about my trip, but I think uh, these health pass, standby pass, wait times and the whole character thing. Yeah, that are really things that make a visit uh, to Disneyland Paris a bit different these times. But yeah, it's pretty totally. well organized and uh, yeah, good job, Disneyland Paris. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and fix your mobile food ordering. Okay, yeah. now Hollywood Studios. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, now uh, Hollywood Studios in Orlando and Walt Disney Studios Park in Paris are very similar parks, at least when it comes to the general vibe and aesthetic. Although there are some significant differences as well, such as the park's layout and entrance area, not to mention the addition of the new Star Wars land, which has yet to open in Paris, and the new Marvel land, which won't be making its way over to Walt Disney World in Orlando anytime soon. Now, before I get too deep here, Niels, would you do us the honors of sharing <laughs> your first comparison? Yes, and I want to talk about food. Oh, yeah! <laughs> So there are some big differences between the Paris and the Orlando studio parks. Yes. So let's start with Paris. At this moment, and we're recording summer 2021, <laughs> there are only a couple of options to eat in the Walt Disney Studios Park. That's the huge Studio One quick service restaurant, uh, Angulis, serving pretty standard burgers and nuggets. The beautifully themed table service restaurant uh, with a French menu in the uh, Ratatouille area called uh, Chez Rémy, where we shrink uh, down to the size of a rat. 
And we have a bunch of, well, food trucks, kiosks, carts, selling things like cookies, donuts, waffles, croque-monsieurs, chips, hot dogs, <laughs> <laughs> coffee, sodas, that kind of stuff. But it's, well, those are not real restaurants, of course. Yeah, finger food. Yeah, exactly. The closest thing is the hot dog that one of the carts is selling nearby the Tower of Terror. The most recent addition was the car-themed Love Co. truck selling a car-themed La Vacherie Croque-Monsieur. And a vegetables cup with uh, cheese sauce, a place that is a, well, clearly a partnership with the Bell Cheese Company. Hey, somebody's got to pay for all that cheese. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and it's actually the bio baby Bell uh, cheese that they uh, have as well. So uh, Oh, so it's organic? Yeah, I think so. As we oh. had um, a kids menu in the Anculis restaurant early August and a site we could choose for the baby Bell uh, cheese and then we got uh, well the green packaged yeah bio version of the the little cheese interesting okay yeah okay. i was also surprised uh, to not get the red ones that i'm i'm used to i didn't even know they made <laughs> organic versions of baby no, bells me neither. so, so this was the first new. time yeah <laughs> <laughs> Very Same cool. here. so you can also get those uh, yeah cheeses in other restaurants uh, <laughs> but well that's basically all for now and there used to be a pretty good buffet restaurant uh, restaurant the star another quick service restaurant called blockbuster cafe and there was a fantastic original mobile diner called uh, cafe de cascadeur serving the best in park freshly prepared burgers oh i miss that place yeah but all three closed for the avengers campus development so at this moment food options in walt disney studio park are extremely limited sad, hashtag um, sad. and mainly fast food or snacks so not really refined food options except for the bistro Jeremy uh, offering right but i guess that will improve in the future when uh, well we get that central lake the new lands avengers frozen star wars so yeah and that pim test kitchen yeah that sounds interesting eh? <laughs> <laughs> i mean we've seen some of the food from the states yeah. and it's gotten mixed reviews but hey that would be a a huge improvement over yeah, what we have currently anyway yeah. so it definitely looks interesting with those meatballs on the pasta i think it's a pasta yeah, right with a huge, huge meatball, meatball and then some and, small ones yeah. it's very instagrammable and nicely themed but in the end it's uh, well pretty basic yes. menus that they're offering i was hoping they would maybe do something with like molecular cuisine and try to make it really experimental mm -hmm. that's kind of what it sounded like yeah. when i heard pim test kitchen but exactly okay i guess they're just playing with the scale fine whatever yeah. disney or... there's also theming in the u.s restaurant where you see a piece of food going in some kind of machine and it comes out bigger. Okay, that's pretty funny. That's something that you can actually see in the restaurant yeah. and then you get your food and you also have one that huge meatball and some <laughs> small ones. So it makes sense. Yeah, wise. totally. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's have a look at uh, Disney's Hollywood Studios in uh, Walt Disney World. They have so many food options and especially far more real restaurants instead of just well, cards and kiosks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Disney's Hollywood Studios Park is a tribute to the um, golden age of Hollywood. And a great example of that is the sci-fi dine-in, which, uh, well, is like a drive-in movie theater where your table and your seats are in classic cars. So positioned, cool. Yeah, in front of a big screen, showing all sci-fi shorts and sequences. So it's mainly in black and white, those uh, films. Uh, it's, well, a darkened establishment uh, to make it feel under the stars so yeah it's indeed it's really cool the food is traditional american have fast food uh, burgers but it's also fitting the concept so uh, yeah i really love that place 
Another place I liked uh, is the Starbucks location, which looks really cool. Um, it's called the Trolley Car Cafe, uh, actually, not just Starbucks. Ah. And I'm actually really jealous that the Walt Disney World Parks all feature a Starbucks while the coffee in Paris in the parks isn't the best in my opinion. <laughs> of course, you have Starbucks in uh, Disneyland Paris, but it's in uh, Disney Village and in the uh, Cyan and uh, Santa Fe hotels, so uh, not inside the parks. Another great restaurant in uh, Hollywood Studios is the 50s Primetime Cafe. It's like entering Mama's Kitchen, uh, where cast members shout your name when they're checking the, the reservations, uh, like a mom calling her kids for dinner. <laughs> you sit in a small 50s-style living room uh, with a TV uh, showing black and white programs. And I think I even saw Walt Disney himself maybe talking about Disneyland, something like that. So that was really nice. Hollywood and Vine is another 50s-style restaurant, but it's an um, all-you-can-eat uh, buffet with uh, character meet-and-greets. If you prefer something more exclusive, then you can head over to the Hollywood Brown Derby. I haven't eaten there myself, but it's another link to actual Hollywood, and it seems to be a really good uh, quality restaurant. That's not all. Toy Story Land, which was opened, I think, in 2018, has a great but small quick service place which is called uh, Woody's Lunchbox and uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge uh, has its own themed restaurants and a really nice bar so in other words lots and lots of possibilities to feed the whole yeah. family five table restaurants and buffet restaurants around 10 quick service locations more than 15 snack and coffee kiosks or carts especially a wider variety of products compared to Disneyland Paris and even multiple bars and lounges, including the beautifully themed Ogas Canteen in uh, Galaxy's Edge, where you can uh, order really fancy drinks. It's uh, so cool. Yeah, while enjoying DJ Rex's tunes. Uh, so, yeah. Wrapping it all up, there are many more restaurants and snack tops in uh, Disney's Hollywood Studios compared to Walt Disney Studios Park. And it's not just the amount of places. There's also more quality food, more variety. So yeah, let's hope that Walt Disney Studios Park is uh, moving into the same direction as it's uh, getting bigger and using uh, its uh, bigger brother in Orlando as a great example. Yeah, I'm keeping my fingers crossed because we're getting all of these great new lands in the coming years and hopefully they'll be bringing along lots of great food. I'm really looking forward to the food they'll be serving in the mm. frozen land specifically. I think that... What are you expecting? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe something with fish for a change. I, that's not oh. really something we've been getting a lot of. I mean, we had the fish and chips over at... Uh, Mr. Toads, right? But uh, yep. that's always close. Yeah, and uh, Captain Jack's uh, has a lot of fish. That's true. Captain Jack's does yep. have a lot of fish. But I'd love to see it in the quick service yep. sector. That would be cool. And I guess we get ice cream uh, in the frozen land, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we have to. Maybe some cool like cookies that are shaped like snowflakes yeah. or something. Or Olaf's yeah. nose. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Olaf's nose. And Swen is also into the carrots. So maybe there's um, some carrot kind of carrot carrot cake. Carrot, <laughs> <cake>. carrot, <laughs> carrot yeah. uh, restaurant. <laughs> Everything uh, carrots. That'd be funny. <laughs> carrot eyes. <laughs> yeah, and I'm really looking forward to our version of Galaxy's Edge as well and all of the cool food that comes along with it, yeah. which is way more exotic and experimental. And that's what I love to see in um, yeah. theme parks. And it's so. still pretty simple food somehow, but yeah. it's so well done. It's nicely themed and... Yeah, it looks delicious and, and it's also offering extra variety to what they already had in Disney's Hollywood Studios. Yeah, so, uh, totally. Yeah, that's really cool. It's a bit the same as uh, the Satuli Canteen in uh, Pandora. Yes, exactly. I was World. just thinking of that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> it's my favorite quick service restaurant in 
well, whole Walt Disney World. And yeah, they did a great job uh, over there with the, the Satuli balls. <laughs> yes, oh, they yeah, look so yeah. good. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the general park concept. Now, both Walt Disney Studios Park in Paris and Hollywood Studios, or as it was known at the time, Disney MGM Studios, share a very similar park concept. So close, in fact, that the similarities warrant this episode <laughs> and makes a direct comparison possible. First thing is first. So Orlando was the first park to open. It was the primary inspiration behind Walt Disney Studios Park in Paris. In fact, the Parisian park was named Disney MGM Studios Europe or Disney MGM Studios Paris during its development. Really, we have CEO of the time Michael Eisner to thank or in some circles of the Disney community to blame, I guess, <laughs> for the studio's park. But let's hear Eisner describe MGM in his own words. And this is a quote from May 1st, 1989, the grand opening of MGM Studios Park in Orlando. Hello, I'm Michael Eisner. In a great tradition of Hollywood, I'd like to welcome you to a major studio sneak preview. Tonight, the Disney MGM Studios theme park will officially open to the public. But as the final touches are being put on this wonderful new theme park, we're going to give you a glimpse of what all the excitement is about. We're also going to try and give you a sense of what this thing called Hollywood is all about. When we think of movies, we think of entertainment. But the greatest films have done much more than simply entertain. They've enlightened us, inspired us, and helped shape the world in which we live. Each of us has a favorite movie, one that has stuck in our minds and influenced our lives. Mine was Pinocchio. I'll never forget the first time I saw it. It inspired in me a sense of awe and beauty and creative possibilities that have stayed with me all my life. Tonight, we're going to talk to some pretty remarkable people about the films that have affected them. I think you'll be fascinated with what they have to say. So sit back and enjoy this sneak preview of the Hollywood we created in Florida. It's not so much a theme park as a state of mind, a Hollywood that never was and will always be. Now, what stands out to me is that the line, quote, a Hollywood that never was and always will be, end quote, this idealized glamorous version of Hollywood that we all know from various motion pictures, but that regrettably never really existed. Well, until now, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, This is true. one of the things that I love about both Hollywood Studios and Walt Disney Studios Park. So that old Hollywood glamour, that golden age, you know, <laughs> not that the parks are perfect in any way, but they were built with a limited budget. I would say it's more notable here than any other Disney park around the globe. True. So here's Michael Eisner again on Walt Disney Studios Park in Paris a few years later on the 16th of March, 2002. To all who enter the studio of dreams, welcome. Walt Disney Studios is dedicated to our timeless fascination and affection for cinema and television. Here we celebrate the art and artistry of storytellers from Europe and around the world who create magic. May this special place stir our own memories of the past and our dreams of the future." End quote. So what's notable here is that Michael Eisner shifted the tone from a fantastical Hollywood to a more practical <laughs> celebrate the art and artistry of storytellers from Europe and around the world. Yeah. And it is reflected in the park's design. While Studio One features that wonderful Hollywood mystique, the rest of Walt Disney Studios Park just looks like a plain studio backlot. Of course, this reduction in quality and budget was due to financial difficulties Disneyland Paris experienced after its opening. The original Disney MGM Studios stemmed from an idea that Marty Scholar, Randy Bright, and Michael Eisner had. Originally, the idea was to open two new pavilions in Epcot in the future world section of the park. 
The great moments at the movie's pavilion was to be replaced in between the land and journey into imagination pavilions. The pavilion would be housed in a soundstage and movie theater looking structure. Eisner thought the concept was so strong he requested that the idea be expanded into the anchor for a brand new theme park. Also, allegedly, Eisner was CEO of Paramount at the time and was invited to a top secret meeting by Universal Studios about a new park they were planning on opening up in Florida. And he may have been very inspired by those plans. Allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> anyway, Disney and Metro Goldwyn Mayer joined forces to create a licensing agreement that would allow Disney to use the MGM name and extensive movie library in their new park. The Disney MGM Studios Park had the ability to be used as a working production studio for movies and TV shows, along with satellite animation studio that began operating even before the park's debut in May of 1989. The idea that the park would double as a working studio was also ported over to Paris. Disneyland Paris hoped that the studios in Paris would utilize the available sound stages for their productions. However, as it turns out that Marne-la-Vallée Chassis was just a bit too far away from the city center at the time to be considered a potential location for many productions. So these days both parks have gotten rid of their respective studio tours, an attraction they both shared in different incarnations, and shifted the focus from a behind-the-scenes and nostalgic Hollywood approach to an experience-the-film's vibe. This is reflected in the Star Wars land Galaxy's Edge that premiered in Hollywood Studios, as well as the plans for the expansion of Walt Disney Studios Park in Paris, which of course includes the new Avengers Campus and the newly opened Cars Road Trip attraction, which again have completely shifted the tone and focus of a making of to an immersive story-driven experience. So more on that later. <laughs> Before we move on to the next topic, I did want to point out my favorite notable structural similarity. One of the first structures park visitors encounter that both parks share is the building inspired by Crossroads of the World in Los Angeles, which was America's first outdoor shopping mall designed by Robert V. Dara in 1936. The characteristic building is instantly recognizable by the large globe located at the top held up by long concrete arms that are supposed to resemble a docked cruise ship. Mm. So it's located in Studio One in Paris and at the park entrance in Orlando. Both house shops that sell merch. Oh, and by the way, the shops in Walt Disney Studios Park in Paris was renamed to The Gossip Column. Yeah. Now, there are several other notable examples. However, this one's my personal favorite, and it's probably the one of the most obvious ones besides the Tower of Terror, which <laughs> yeah. still looks a little bit different, but more on that later. <laughs> well, next is what the studios in Paris have that Hollywood Studios doesn't have. Ooh, a good one. <laughs> Not much. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a pretty big list now. Let's start with the most exciting thing that is currently uh, going on in Paris, and that's the build of Avengers Campus that you already yes. uh, mentioned. Uh, a Marvel land with two attractions, a shop, a restaurant, and probably some uh, meet and greet opportunities. There's a similar land in Disneyland Resort Anaheim, but not in Walt Disney World. Nope. Universal owns those rights. Exactly. <laughs> yep. The campus will feature the Web Slingers Spider-Man attraction that uh, Anaheim just opened. And we'll also get a spectacular Iron Man re-themed rock and roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> and that will be a unique attraction to um, Disneyland Paris then. Walt Disney Studios uh, Paris also features the flying carpets of uh, Alain, which Orlando has, but in the Magic Kingdom. Same goes for uh, Ratatouille. In Orlando, it will open soon in Epcot. But yeah. 
in Paris, it's in the Studios Park. So um, they're shifting around uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> These two are not completely unique to Paris, but they're, well, unique to the Studios Park in Paris. But Paris has Crush's Coaster, a roller coaster based on uh, Finding Nemo's lovely sea turtle, uh, in which you turn around 360 degrees in your turtle shield while going through the track. Another unique ride, or actually two rides are the Cars rides, a simple fun spinning attraction and the reimagined uh, studio tram tour, now called uh, Cars Road Trip. Those are both not available in Disney's Hollywood Studios, so yes. quite uh, unique. Toy Story Playland in Paris also is a completely different land than Toy Story Land in Orlando. Paris attractions are RC Racer, the halfpipe high-speed uh, ride, a drop attraction called uh, Toy Soldiers Parachute Drop, and a small kitty attraction called Slinky Dog Zigzag Spin. And uh, yeah, Toy Story Land in uh, Orlando doesn't have these three uh, Toy Story attractions. So uh, yeah, it's uh, pretty unique to Paris, although there are other parks in Asia that have these attractions. The land looks very similar theming-wise, but uh, well, the rides, uh, the shops and the food options are not the same. Entertainment-wise, has Paris some great and unique shows like Mickey and the Magician, the award-winning Broadway-quality musical stage show, which I can highly recommend. And we also have the all-new Disney Junior Dream Factory show now in that, well, steampunk setting. Much nicer, in my opinion, than the Disney Junior dance show that Disney's Hollywood Studios has. So, yeah, that's a big plus for Paris. But I think this pretty much sums up what Paris has that uh, Orlando uh, hasn't at this uh, very moment. The more our beautiful little park grows, <laughs> the more unique it'll get. <laughs> and especially with the alterations that might be coming to our Star Wars land, it could be getting even more unique. So yeah. we'll see how that develops. I'm uh, really curious uh, what the future will bring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Next up, I have Tower of Terror. So ah. this is one of Disney's most iconic thrill rides and the best drop style ride of its kind, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> so both Walt Disney Studios Park in Paris and Hollywood Studios in Orlando have their respective version. Mm -hmm. Over the years, the ride experience of the Paris iteration has shifted slightly away from the Orlando version. The most notable difference between the two at opening besides the architecture was that the Orlando version featured, or should I say features since it still does, <laughs> a forward moving dark ride show scene in which the ride vehicle leaves the elevator capsule and moves autonomously through the fifth dimension show scene. This was cut in Paris either due to spatial limitations or budget, probably the latter. <laughs> it really wowed me the first time I rode the tower and still kind of does. Now we've talked about the architecture on our in-depth Tower of Terror episode, so we're going to shift the focus to the new ride experience here. These days, we can truly say that the Parisian Tower is not just a watered-down version of the Orlando Tower. In the last major refurbishment, the Imagineers added a new dimension of thrills, which translates to three new ride profiles that extend the original story, or at least the little ghost girl story. Imagineers have referred to the Paris version as a special edition Tower of Terror. <laughs> it's like the director's cut. The three stories are the malevolent machine, shaft creatures, and the fifth dimension, which is my favorite of the new sequences. All of them heavily feature the little ghost girl who appears in multiple show scenes throughout this version of the attraction. 
She's really very prominent and appears almost every time there's some sort of projection or hidden screen in the attraction, so she's all over the place. Does she have a name? There was a Tower of Terror motion picture. Let me look this up real quick. Yeah, the Wikipedia is also not as revealing as you'd like it to be. Let's see. Sally Shine. That's her name, Sally Shine. Mm. So at least in the made-for-TV motion picture, <laughs> that's her name. Right. But in the attraction, she's never referred to that. So okay. anyway. <laughs> Just a sidestep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely a good question. The various profiles' biggest differentiating factors are the lighting, sound effects, and drop sequences. The big sets and aesthetic remains the same throughout all three profiles. I kind of wish they would differentiate the profiles further by adding different main character to each, but I still appreciate the current version. What I love about the fifth dimension profile is that unlike the other ones, which start off with a slow Mm -hmm. lift, which is, you know, also rewarded, so that's pretty cool. But the fifth dimension scene just starts unexpectedly with a drop, which is super Uh. (laughs) like you're not used to it because it never used to do that. It's really fun. So right (laughs) off the bat, you're dropping down. Overall, I really enjoy the new version of the attraction, although I do wish they would randomize the ride profiles and also include the original one, which would be really fun. since They have it. So just add it. Yeah, it's really not a major thing. So that would be really cool. And um, the original profile was also not so ghost girl or Sally Shine centric. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I really miss that mirror effect where you would see your reflection, which turns into like a weird staticky silhouette, as well as the corridor scene with the reprojection of a window breaking in the far end. Those are like two really classic moments of the attraction that are now gone. Mm. Yeah, would love to see those again. I do love the new ride profiles. Keep them as well, but maybe just, you know, switch it up a bit every once in a while. So it keeps it fun. (laughs) So Niels, I bet you've ridden this so many times. Oh, yes. (laughs) A hundred times. (laughs) No, that's not not my cup of tea. (laughs) No, totally understandable. No no drops for me. (laughs) Well, next is, uh, well, the opposite of my uh, previous one. What Hollywood Studios has that Barrett doesn't. So many things. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, well, brace yourself. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, uh, it's a lot indeed. Let's start with uh, Toy Story. As I already mentioned, their Toy Story Land has completely different attractions. The fun and very competitive Toy Story Mania ride. The really exciting Slinky Dog Dash. Uh, that's not a small kitty slinky attraction like we have in Paris yeah. but a long roller coaster that is actually more intense than it looks at first sight in my opinion <laughs> <laughs> and last but not least a fun well teacups like spinning ride with the cool three-eyed squeeze aliens Ooh. another difference is that Hollywood Studios has Galaxy's Edge as mentioned but well let's see um, if we uh, get that one day <laughs> there's still no um, date or year announced for Paris so no it's all just still in the works according to inside sources so yeah. we'll see I really hope that they don't drop this uh, version of Galaxy's Edge as I uh, really look forward to that yeah me well, too the probably most immersive land ever created with two rides shops restaurants bars meeting grades so this Galaxy's Edge is well, the bump. <laughs> and as Eric said, hey, well, we most probably get it. But uh, yeah, for now, it's unique for Hollywood Studios. Especially Rise of the Resistance must be a fantastic ride. Oh, uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah. If you can get a boarding group for uh, it. True. Extremely uh, popular at the moment. It's like nonstop yeah. complaining on Twitter at the moment. <laughs> I see so many people And I can imagine if you travel all the way to Disney's Hollywood Studios or yes, pay a lot totally. of money to get in and then you're probably not able to ride, well, this highlight of the park, then... Uh, I would be so disappointed. Like, I yeah. totally get the frustration, yeah. but it's really an intense dialogue at the moment. 
moment yeah. on the Diz Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> and funny enough, Star Tours is in Hollywood Studios. Of course, we do have Star Tours in Paris, but it's in our castle park. So we also used to have a seasonal Jedi training academy in Disneyland Paris, but in the Disneyland Park. And the Jedi Training Academy is, well, let's say before COVID, a standard offering in Disney's Hollywood Studios. Of course, we also have some Star Wars meet and greets uh, in the Parisian Disneyland uh, Park as well. But in Walt Disney World, those uh, Star Wars meet and greets are all located in the so-called Launch Bay, which is a huge building in Disney's Hollywood Studios that also hosts a shop and some kind of uh, exhibition. And I feel that we need more exhibits in Paris uh, too, to just see nice film props, read some history, learn some fun facts uh, that, yeah, that would be uh, highly appreciated at least by <laughs> me. <laughs> Talking about uh, exhibits, uh, Hollywood Studios also has Walt Presents, which is like a timeline through the Walt Disney Company history with pictures, backgrounds, props, and even some cool Disney parks miniatures, like one of the Tower of Terror, Galaxy's Edge is there in a small version, so that's, uh, that's really cool. And there's also a theater showing a documentary about uh, Walt Disney, which is located in the back of, uh, well, the Walt Disney Presents exhibition. Another newer attraction is um, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway uh, Railway. It replaced the former Greatest Movie Ride. It looks like a fun cartoon experience. It's like projection mapping heaven in there. It's yep. incredible. It looks really, yep. really cool. It's the very first attraction with Mickey, uh, by the way. Insanity. Yeah. So it's something that you have to write. <laughs> well, at least as a Disney fan. So I really hope that we get that uh, one day in Paris too. Um, another attraction that Hollywood Studios has in Paris not or not anymore is the Rock and Roller Coaster. Their version always had better theming of the exterior with a massive guitar and a piano. And the square in front of the ride features some food and merchandise uh, kiosks that also match the theme. So that's, uh, that's really nice. Hollywood Studios is also home to uh, various shows that we don't have in Paris. First of all, the Frozen sing-along show that we used to have in Paris in the Disneyland Park, but that was a seasonal offering. And the shows are a little bit different. The Paris one was more interactive with more guest interaction, yeah. but the Hollywood Studios one is more humorous. Then Hollywood Studios has a version of uh, Fantasmic, which is a great show that uh, still can be seen or well, was available in more international Disney parks. Yeah. It's a huge amphitheater and it involves well, an island-based stage, boats, lots of characters, fire and water effects. It's a fantastic night show and I really hope that we get the Tokyo version in our Paris uh, studios one day as we seem to get their floats. So uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe they're doing something different with those floats. No word on that. I do hope upgrade them a bit because i saw just a teensy bit of the fantastic of the tokyo resort when i was there by chance mm -hmm. i didn't really get that good a view of it but the led screen technology was just a bit dated oh, right. for today's yeah. standards so i do hope they pimp that up a little bit before they premiere that would there. be cool yeah. other than yeah. that it looks super cool i believe that the tokyo version was already a bit more modern a bit more advanced than the disney's hollywood studios uh, ah, version, yeah mm. which looked quite dated to me uh, i think i saw it twice the show still it's a fantastic show oh yeah um, totally and it's so nice to have an outdoor show at night uh, with all these lights and projection and fire effects uh, yeah that was really nice another popular show uh, in disney's hollywood studios is the uh, indiana jones stunt uh, spectacular and I haven't seen that one myself. I'm not sure if you've seen it, I've uh, Eric. I've seen it so many times I know it by heart, yes. So um, 
Yeah, no, this is a really fun one. It features this giant stage and it starts off like an Indiana Jones movie, which is Mm -hmm. really, really fun. And you're totally in on the action. The stunt actor drops from the ceiling. And this is no small feat because it's such a giant theater. It's like four stories tall. So it's really incredible and it starts off the first scene with that giant boulder that i think was featured in the very first indiana jones movie that giant stone Mm -hmm. that tries to crush him so they kind of replicate that scene where he tries to steal the golden idol it's really fun it's really well done it's a really cool show so i can definitely recommend it when you're there and in between the stunts it's also kind of a take a look behind the scenes and how the movie's made and all that stuff and they involve the audience a lot it is an outdoor show so it's not super colorful does use a lot of natural light But yeah, it features several great stunts. So there are three major scenes, the opening scene, then there's Uh marketplace scene. That's the second part of it. And then after that, they switch over to an action scene with airplanes, which is also really fun to watch and lots of explosions at the end. So there's a really great finale. Switching from one set over to the next, there's always like Uh a little 10 minute break. Um, during that time, they explain how everything is made and how the production is yeah. coordinated. A bit like the uh, stunt show that we used to have exactly. in Walt Disney Studios Park. Very yeah. comparable to Motors Action. That's a excellent yeah. reference right there. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, I just saw this uh, Indiana Jones show on YouTube, but it looked indeed uh, very impressive. Uh, it's so much fun, yeah. If this is really happening in front of your own eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's different than again. Of course, on camera, it's not as impressive as it is when you're there in person. It's a lot of fun, yeah. Exactly. That was my expectation already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I liked it already on YouTube, but in real life, it should be, uh, well, far more spectacular. Yeah. yeah, you can feel the heat when that plane blows up. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah, oh yeah, that's always cool. <laughs> there's even more in the world of uh, shows. Um, there's a built old-fashioned indoor show around uh, the little mermaid there's a beautiful beauty and the beast musical show uh, in an uh, outdoor but covered theater right next to the uh, tower of terror and more recently a cars racing academy uh, show was also added which is a show with lifelike animatronics and screens lastly there's a disney junior dance party show which i just uh, mentioned um, it replaced the old disney junior live on stage show uh, which we also had in disneyland paris but uh, yeah we now have the dream factory in paris which is much nicer than that uh, <laughs> dance show that uh, Hollywood Studios uh, got but maybe the little kids prefer the dance show I can imagine yeah that's all for now uh, I think <laughs> but as the parks are well always uh, <laughs> developing um, I guess this list uh, will uh, be different in a couple of years oh yeah let's hope so let's hope the Paris list grows and the Hollywood Studios list well it doesn't shrink but um, that, at least that yeah. we can compare <laughs> maybe in the future <laughs> yeah and it will be nice if they get more unique features in, in both parks so that it's oh, uh, yeah, totally. that there's a real reason to <laughs> travel the world <laughs> and visit the different parks yeah most definitely yeah. So last but not least, I wanted to talk a little bit about the future, specifically Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. So this is going to be a bit speculative, a bit based on rumors, (laughs) leaks and so on, because, of course, the most obvious difference between the two wishes, dreams (laughs) (laughs) is that uh, our version does not exist yet. So (laughs) it was officially announced that the immersive land would make its way over to Paris when the Walt Disney Studios 2.0 plans were first revealed. Now, since the pandemic broke out, rumors circulated that Galaxy's Edge hit the cutting room floor. 
Thankfully, sources have since confirmed that it is still on track at the moment, although they are looking into changing up the design for Paris. While Batu, that is the name of the fictional planet in which Galaxy's Edge story takes place, is an original concept, fewer than anticipated visitor numbers have given Disney um, a cause to reconsider the land's theme. One rumor currently circulating is that Disney is considering building a place we know from the motion pictures, so Tatooine for example, which would be pretty cool. Honestly, I'd be perfectly happy with either concept, <laughs> although an original concept would give Paris a differentiating factor, which would yeah. also be super nice. So <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Another insider source claims that we are also getting the e-ticket Rise of the Resistance attraction in Paris, which would be so fabulous. I'm sure the Imagineers learned a lot building the first two, so it'll be interesting to see how they applied those insights in Paris. Now, concept art should uh, never really be taken too literally. However, it's interesting to note that our version of Galaxy's Edge will be placed right by the lake. Although there seems to be a bit of a buffer zone there as well. So there's no gate, so to say, but there is kind of a walkthrough mm -hmm. portal. I don't believe we will be seeing anything outside of the lands once we enter it, since the whole concept is to be super immersive and it'd be kind of weird to see the lake and frozen lands. <laughs> <laughs> Besides that, we also have another X-Wing fighter in our concept art instead of the Millennium Falcon. This just gave me the idea, imagine Smuggler's Run was a two-player game, or two-team, I should say, game, where one Disney park competed with another oh. overseas. So the US parks would fly in the Millennium Falcon smuggling ship and Paris in a giant X-Wing type smuggling ship. So that'd be really fun. Yeah, that but would be cool. I doubt it would work right due to the time zone differences. But <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, that means that our parks need to stay open longer. Oh, yeah. Oh, now Walt Disney Studios Park is closing like uh, at 6 o'clock. Yeah. So... Yeah, make that uh, 11 or midnight. Yeah, so yeah. better work. <laughs> yeah, then we compete with the US. Yeah. yeah. What we do know is that the Parisian version will be smaller than Walt Disney World's in California's, which is kind of a bummer. But, you know, as long as we get Rise of the Resistance and August Cantina, I'm pretty happy. <laughs> yeah. And maybe that's a nice uh, droid uh, factory. Yes. Would you do the whole lightsaber experience for 200 euro? Mm, no. I don't no. I, I don't need the lightsaber <laughs> but myself. Yoda talks to yeah, you. <laughs> I know and I would love to go in there, see it. I don't need a lightsaber myself, but uh, <laughs> I know that my daughter is really looking forward to uh, create her own oh, droid. Yeah. Or droids. That's pretty so, cool. Uh, too. Yeah, yeah. 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 She well is willing to spend like uh, one hundred euros on Creating her oh, own okay, droid. Okay, fair and, enough. Um, so that's what I'm looking forward to. <laughs> well, with the Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser Hotel opening its doors soon, it'll be interesting to mm. see if that concept, if it's a success, of course, if they could port that over to Paris in the far, far, far off future as well and integrate it into our version <laughs> of Galaxy's Edge. But I think they'll first need to test it out in the States and see it, how it works out there. Yeah, as it's extremely expensive. So yes. not sure if Europeans are willing to pay that amount of money for, well, just two nights. Yeah, <laughs> I don't have access to internal numbers or anything, but I guess 
it would be the same demographic that books Suites and Castle Club, perhaps. Yeah. And since it's just a small boutique hotel, like 100 rooms and less, yeah. it really depends on the numbers that Paris has been bringing in on the luxury front. That would be interesting to see as well. Maybe they uh, will just close some of the other suites. <laughs> <laughs> if they're not getting this hotel <laughs> full. Maybe. <laughs> we'll booked see, yeah. <laughs> I mean, with Disneyland Hotel being closed for refurbishment, this one might be your only. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but yeah, yeah no, but yeah. they have to build it first. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, Good luck. <laughs> Niels, where can people find you? Uh, people can find me uh, well, mainly on uh, Instagram at Capturing Disney Parks. And uh, all my other activities can be found on uh, CapturingDisneyParks.com. It's so cool. Now, before we go, we did want to thank some of our patrons. And you can also get in a shout out at the Newport Bay Club tier on Patreon.com slash Airmagique. So thank you to Simon, Anna from ITLP Life. Jen, Jerry, Josh, and Tulips. Thank you so much, everyone. Yeah, <laughs> thanks a lot. You guys, be sure to follow Ermagic on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook for more Need to Slam Paris content. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. It really makes a difference and helps new folks discover the show. And if you do, we might read it on a future episode. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Stay safe and have a wonderful yes. day. Bye-bye. Today, Niels and I are going to share what we love to do in and around Paris when we are not at Disneyland Paris. Which is hardly the case, of course. But, well. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> Mostly. No. I think the last three visits, I didn't go into the city, but you know. No, me neither. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the Eiffel Tower is great, and you got to see the Mona Lisa on your once-in-a-lifetime trip to Paris. Yep. But we're not going to talk about that today, hunty. We're going to share some of our lesser-known favorites, so let's dive right in into it. Niels, would you do us the honors? Yes. Well, my first one is the Val d'Europe shopping mall. Oh, yeah. It's just one stop with the RAR A train from Disneyland Paris or a short drive uh, by car, maybe five to ten minutes. Mm -hmm. This mall first opened in 2010 and it was expanded later. It's huge and it houses around uh, 190 shops and approximately 30 restaurants and uh, food kiosks. And this whole structure covers around 1 million square feet. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's, uh, well, <laughs> a place where you can find anything. So cool. From cosmetics, clothing, electronics, games, toys, and so on. Uh, there's even a huge supermarket. Very convenient. So if you're staying in an apartment, uh, a cottage, or an Airbnb, then this is the place to do your uh, groceries. There's a pharmacy too. Now that was just a short preview of the full-length Patreon-exclusive bonus episode. You can get access to the entire back catalog of episodes, including the Discoveryland deep dive, stage shows of Disneyland Paris, Disneyland Paris trivia, and so much more. You also get two episodes per month instead of just one. That's twice the Air Magique, and it all starts at just two euro. Now on patreon.com slash Thank you for your support. <laughs> See you there.